welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I am Chris Marone. And Chris, this is our one-year anniversary of doing this podcast. We started last year during football season. I'm assuming on your mind what is most prevalent is our one-year anniversary. It is. It really, I mean, this is just, it's been the best year of my life, Joel. Oh, give it up. You're, you're, you're <laughs> celebrating your 10-year anniversary. I tried to set yep. you up for the 10-year anniversary, did. and you end up crying on me. I did. Well, Joel, you're so special to me. But <laughs> in reality, yesterday yesterday was the miles, the one of the biggest milestones in my life was my 10-year anniversary to my absolutely amazing wife. It was, you know, she... She definitely has made me a better man over these last 10 years. And it's, it's, at, we were at dinner pulling out our wedding pictures. Um, and first off, I've lost about 90 pounds in the last 10 years since right, we so got married. Like I was, I was a huge guy when we got married 10 years ago. You, you are looking good. I got to tell you, Chris. I, I was going to say that the other day. You're, you're looking good, man. I appreciate that. I I try. <laughs> I try to slim down. It's really right. it's I wear a lot of black and plaid, so you know, I I, I look good. Yeah, hey, I wanted you to give that shout out right off the top. So if your wife happens yep. to listen, we know she's not gonna go too far in this podcast before she hears that great <laughs> shout out. Chris, you are already leaps and bounds above me. On my tenth year anniversary, I was in Hawaii yep. without my without my wife. That was not a good plan. I actually got took a business trip to Hawaii and I didn't even think about it that that was right around our 10th year anniversary time. What a great, I was just poor back then. So I really couldn't afford a second plane ticket, but nonetheless, you are doing way better than I am. I'm actually a take whatever your anniversary is times three. We are well over Ooh. 30 or 30 years. I think it's 31. I just said that off the top of my head. I sure hope I am right. Uh, but nonetheless, mm -hmm. Hey, happy anniversary to you and happy anniversary to us. This is our one yeah. year uh, podcast more on that later, but we started off with the football season and we are going to football season is upon us now. Let's do it. We're yes. going to talk about that during our football quarterback courtroom quarterback session at the end of this. But Chris, last week we did not come out with a podcast because as you all know, in addition to Trump's office being raided, we were being raided oh by the FBI. Yes. The SWAT team was here trying to get our records. I'm just kidding. Of course, uh, someone got into our system and butchered our files. It was a gremlin that exists within these computers. They ate mm -hmm. up the audio file. And so we said some incredible things last week. Just take our word. We for did. It. Yes. It, I right. mean, it was, it was really good analysis and I had to actually go buy a new computer because of it. You did. Our takes were so hot, your computer got fried. Well, we are going to talk a little bit about what we said last week because some of these things that were in the news last week are still in the news. And now yep. well, we're going to get to the rate in just a bit. But on my outline first, let's talk about Deshaun Watson. Now, I do believe last week I said, I guarantee this, write yep. this in pen. He will get a one-year suspension. Turns out... Uh, throw that piece of paper away. I hope you have erasable ink. He did not get a one-year <laughs> suspension. Kind of surprised me. He got 11-game suspension. So what happened to Deshaun mm -hmm. Watson is, is a federal judge looked at his ordeal, called Deshaun, hey, Deshaun, you're a freaking liar. I don't believe a word you're saying. Nonetheless, right. I believe your actions are predatory. But nonetheless, mm -hmm. because my hands are tied based upon the NFL's previous punishments, I'm only going to give you a six-game suspension. Roger Goodell said we're going to appeal that, 
And by yep. the way, Roger Goodell gets to control who the appeal is to, either to himself. He's learned that's not a good idea because it just it's not good for, a good look for him to sit <laughs> as judge of his own appeal. That just that does not look Come very on. judicious. That was beautiful. Right? I yeah, think so, that's a great idea. I would love that myself. Hey, you know, uh, there's a, a lawsuit I'm involved with. I'm appealing it. I'm going to be the judge of the appeal. Of yeah, that, that's course, not a good look for the NFL or for Roger Goodell. So there was another party out there that was going to sit on this appeal. But still, he got to handpick that person. Right. Well, uh, it was 11, It was a six-game suspension. The NFL was seeking one year, and the outcome was an 11-game suspension. Chris, did that 11-game wow. suspension? Now, this was not the decision by the, um, the, the, the appellate judge. This was a settlement by the NFL and Deshaun Watson. They agreed, instead of having this third party, you know, resolve this appeal, who was hand-selected by the NFL, they were just going to resolve this, and they decided on an 11-game suspension. Any thoughts, That's Chris? That's weird. That's a weird number, Joel. That's a... I wonder well, what happens in week 12. Well, hold on a second here. You say it's weird because it was a six-game suspension. Right. There are 17 games in the NFL season. So there would mm -hmm. be a, there would be a, what would be the halfway point? So if you're going to like settle cases and meet in the middle, mm -hmm. and that would be a good look. Let's meet in the middle. Well, in the middle yeah. would be five or six more games, right? That right. Be, there's there's um, 11 games left. So five or six would right be there in the middle. Chris, yep. would you rather go with the six game suspension or the or the six game additional suspension or the five game additional suspension? Well, I if I was Deshaun, I would go with the five game additional suspension because I'd want to get back on the field as quick as possible. And you're if you were the NFL, you won of the year. It's interesting yeah. they picked eleven. You just alluded to mm -hmm. game twelve. What is happening on game twelve? I believe that's when the Browns play. The Texans. Yes, Deshaun's wow, former that's weird. team. His first that's weird. game back, he is going to be playing his old team. That is going to be a ratings bonanza. Chris, I dare I think, say. Is, <laughs> What's it, that? is it a Monday night football game, if I remember correctly? I, I do not know yet, but wow, if it is. So basically, the NFL is saying, hey, look, we know there's these horrible allegations against you, Deshaun. Why not cash in on the notoriety and the free publicity? And so you're going to come back and you're going to play your former team. Surely not. Surely the NFL is not taking a punishment of this magnitude and trying to benefit from it. I don't know. Do you think this yeah. was intentional? Yes, 100%. Everything, everything that the NFL does is fully intentional to make them money. All Without right. it, I... I, I am a fool, and I think you and I have both said this before many times here on the podcast. The NFL is about the money. They don't care about well, it's, it's about money and saving face for Roger Goodell. Those are the two things that that fuel the NFL right now. It is a business. It's not a court of law. There right. is no due process rights when it comes to the NFL uh, and, and the, the players that might face discipline. This is about a business. And you're trying to promote and protect the brand that is the business. All right, so why even sell in this case? If you were the NFL and you basically controlled the appeal, why would you even settle this case at all? Well, there's one thought that um, what the um, uh, Deshaun Watson could do, what his legal recourse was, is filing right. a federal lawsuit. And they already yes. said they would yes, file yes. a federal lawsuit. I believe Tom Brady did that with Deflategate. And that just yep. puts this in the news. 
an additional two years. And so maybe the NFL said, you know what? We just don't want to do that. I also think there's going to be a little bit of egg on the NFL's face if they went forward and the resulting punishment was over a year because a federal judge had just looked at this and a federal judge, a female federal judge said, look, what Deshaun did was predatory. He is an out and out liar. Mm-hmm. But what he but, did wasn't illegal. That's why two right. grand juries didn't, you know, um, um, pursue criminal Indict charges him. against him. But yep. it is a horrible look. It's, it's probably civilly liable because of what he did, if not criminally liable. By the way, here's one thing. I, I always got to throw this this um, disclaimer out there because some of you might be saying, Joel, how is this not illegal? Here is an interesting thing about the Deshaun Watson NFL disciplinary process. It did not involve the rape allegations because in one of the lawsuits, there was an allegation that Deshaun raped a person. That's a whole other deal. So there was no discussion of that. Not anywhere in the, um, in in the opinion where you see the allegation of rape. If if it is proven that he raped someone, that's a whole nother ball. And send him to jail, send him to jail. What this case is about, what the discipline is about, is that him getting massages from people and then putting a very skinny towel and kind of hoping that that towel falls off while he turns around. Anything right. more serious than that was not a part of this disciplinary process. If it comes right. out that any of the more serious allegations are true, there's merit to them, he's going to be banned from the NFL forever, in my opinion. Right. But I just want to make sure that that is clarified. We're not talking about the rape allegations. That would be a whole another story. Well, and a rape allegation is different than unwanted sexual event. Like, sexual assault is sexual assault, and we should take ver- sexual assault very seriously. Um, rape is very different than I exposed myself, and it is very different than I forced her hand on my penis, and it's very different than a lot of things. So, Especially in, I want to clarify this, you know, because we're on icy waters here, especially right. in the context of a massage, massage. Where, where you yes. are going to expose yourself by definition, you're, right. or at least likely, you're in a massage. And that, that's kind of the whole yeah. point. We're not like saying you're in a bathroom somewhere exposing yourself. Again, it's a whole nother story whatsoever. Right. Deshaun Watson, at least on the face of it, had some kind of plausible defense of I was getting a massage and I was just kind of hoping the towel would fall off as I turned over. That was that was kind of the yes. allegations here. Uh, but nonetheless, it was an 11-game suspension. If it is proven he did something more serious, I think you're going to see him permanently banned from the NFL. All right. Well, and I also think that he should now take all of his cases to trial, like full on. All of his outstanding – I think he has one outstanding one case, case, maybe two out- one case left. He should go to full trial. Why right? unless unless there is some sort of ironclad thing against Deshaun Wallace, he should go to trial and get vindicated. We saw that with Johnny Depp. We've seen it with other players. Where let's go to trial. If you think that I'm this giant piece of crap and I need to rehabilitate my image, let's go to trial. Let's, let's put unpack it on court that. TV and let's let's go. Let's unpack that right now. Deshaun Watson's name is mud. Mm-hmm. People think he 100%. did it. He, yes, he, he was predatory. He is a liar. That's what Roger Goodell said. That's what the federal judge said. He has mm-hmm. a horrible name out there. And in the public's perspective, yep. you know, mindset, 
he 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 is going to be booed. He is going to be boycotted. People are going to be doing mm-hmm. pickets outside of NFL stadiums for the yeah. rest of his career. He needs some kind I, yeah. of incredible event to happen to restore his name. Well, let's look right. over at Johnny Depp. There were some serious allegations against Johnny Depp. He said they were not true, and so he sued Amber Heard for defamation. It goes before a jury, and the jury said, Johnny Depp, we believe you. We believe that Amber Heard defamed you by saying you did these horrible things. Right. That totally changed Johnny Depp's re- reputation. Would you not yes, agree? His, he now can be employed by Hollywood. People are not going to be picketing him anymore. He Because he went through court TV and a jury vindicated him, his name has been restored. You're yes. suggesting that same thing might happen here if Deshaun goes in front of a jury and a jury rules in his favor. That would mm-hmm. do wonders to his reputation what might be the damage be if he loses that lawsuit? I'm going to say nothing because people already yeah. think of him in that light. Is that what you're suggesting? Oh, for sure. For sure. There's no loss here for Deshaun. Um, people already hate. I, what did I, I saw in a friend of mine moved to Cleveland this week and she was posting pictures. There was a guy selling Deshaun Watson shirts outside of massage parlors okay. in Cleveland this week. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, I mean, you can't get much worse than than the street vendors trying to profit off of your your uh, your legal woes. Interesting. All right, selling pictures of Deshaun Watson outside. Hey, people yeah. are are um, uh, capitalistic, I guess, at every turn, even yeah. with this kind of case. All right, moving Always. on now to our next topic, which probably should have headlined this uh, podcast, <laughs> the raid on mm-hmm. President Trump's uh, personal home and things. Chris, I am going to suggest that this mm-hmm. raid is a turning point, an unfortunate turning point in our political polit- life. I, I, I regret that it ever happened. I think it's a horrible thing. I am going to maintain this was a raid, and I'm going to then not get the platform to you to somehow counter my brilliant uh, take. <laughs> well, I think in the history of our our friendship, I think there are a few things that we disagree on. And I believe this is one of them where okay. I don't think it I don't think it, it raid is such a sensational term that everyone's going to use it whether you want to buoy up support for the former president or whether you want to buoy up um disgust for the former president, you're going to use the term raid. And though it is the term that is being used, it's not, I don't believe, opinion of Chris Marone, that it is the correct term to use because the Department of Justice did everything that they could to keep this low key and did everything they could to to not publicize this for it to just blow up into this giant raid. FBI agents didn't roll up in brown sedans and jackets with FBI on the back and kick in the front door of Mar-a-Lago and put guns to everybody's head and put them on the ground and put them in zip ties. They contacted Trump's lawyers. They said they had the subpoena and they had the warrants and they went down to Mar-a-Lago. They they went in discreet vehicles and they didn't have their FBI jackets blaring and they served the warrant, got the papers and left. You mean you didn't see the pictures of um, uh, Melania running out with just a towel covering her as she's been pushed right. out of the shower? You didn't of see course. that? Right. As Baron mm-hmm. is um, cowering in a corner with a M14A pointed right at him from a full SWAT geared FBI agent. 
middle of the night jumping into her right. house. With, exactly. With, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I, I, I do find it interesting that I heard it was a raid on, on of course, mm-hmm. Fox News. So how I get my news, this is the process I go through. I, I hear about it on Fox News or maybe on, on social media. I then go to the other side, CNN, or if I really want to go left, MSNBC, I mm-hmm. assume the truth is going to be somewhere in the middle. And yeah, this should surprise, surprise no one that MSNBC did not call this a raid, but CNN did. And so I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, nonetheless, whatever it is, it is, I think, a turning right. point in our nation's political life. I think this is, is, is putting us at the edge of becoming a banana republic. Now, here's my, my thought. I don't like it when when we have a disagreement with our political adversaries. We're on opposite sides of the aisle, and yes, we 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 argue about significant issues. I get that. Right. We're all Americans, but but we we take that disagreement to the next level. Now, because I won that election, those people who opposed me, I'm going to put you in jail. And yes, Chris, I hate it. I did not like it when Trump stood up at the debate and said, lock her up. That made me cringe. Why? Why are we going to lock her up? What did she do to deserve being locked up? She is your political enemy. I get that you're your your adversary. I don't like that thought. And so I wonder how many of the Trump supporters out there are saying, yeah, this is a banana republic and not realizing that, well, you know what? Your guy kind of started it when he said lock right. her up. Or I won't say started, but at least got his hands dirty it, yeah. in that arena. Any thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I totally agree. I haven't heard the term banana republic used as often as it has in the last <laughs> 10 days right. than I had. And, and look, I watched the Benghazi um, hearings i watched all the news about the benghazi i i i will admit that i rolled my eyes about the the witch hunt that was benghazi but man the word banana republic's being thrown around like i mean we're in the middle of primary election season like last week was primary elections for arizona and that was the big talking point about you know it's a banana republic and the woke agenda of joe biden and i'm like slow it down here guys like I don't like this. I do not like this at all. This makes my stomach turn that they are going after their political uh, adversaries using criminal means. I think that's what this is. So let's unpack this here, Chris, because that's what we do. People come to this podcast, Mm -hmm. lawyers and non-lawyers, they want the skinny on what the law is as it applied to this major, major event. And of course, you already Mm -hmm. know what I'm thinking this is headed. And I, I hate this precedent. So let's unpack the actual law. <laughs> so it starts with the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment says that you should be secure in your personal things, your property, your possessions, your personhood, things like that. You should, you should be you should yep. be secure in it. And there can be no seizure, no search or seizure of your personal things, but for a proper warrant being issued. All right. So how does a warrant how does a warrant get issued? Well, here's how a warrant gets issued. You have to go to a judge. If you're if mm-hmm. it's a state criminal proceeding, you would go to a state judge. If it's a federal criminal proceeding or proceeding, you go to, mm-hmm. to a federal judge. And you have to convince that judge or that magistrate that there's mm-hmm. probable cause that if you search or seize this particular item, you're gonna find evidence of a crime or, or that a mm-hmm. crime existed. So probable cause, more yes. likely than not. Okay. So that's what you have to have to get a warrant to issue. Also, it's important to note 
that just because I convinced a magistrate, hey, look, I think Billy Bob over there is up to no good. I was, I heard from someone who's reliable that Billy Bob is doing bad things. I want to go raid his house. No, that's not how it works. You got to tell the judge, yeah, Billy Bob is doing bad things. And Mm -hmm. we heard he put those bad things in his safe in his third bedroom. We want to go search his third bedroom and Mm -hmm. that safe because we believe on good information. That's where that gun is located. That's how warrants are supposed to be issued. You have to uh, describe with particularity what you're going to search and why you're going to search it. There's one other component to that that I think that the non-lawyers may not get where the lawyers may get it is that you also have to have the jurisdiction as a law enforcement officer or agent of law enforcement to uh, to submit the affidavit and oath of affirmation to the judicial officer. I, okay. as a private citizen, cannot go, Joel has illegal paperwork in his safe at his house so chris Marone, private citizen is going to write an oath of affirmation and submit it to a judge to allow the judge to let chris Marone search joel's house so the issue then becomes proper law enforcement so the issue then becomes okay well then someone out there basically said look i believe that there's been a crime committed and i believe that there's evidence of the crime right in this particular box or location and Mm -hmm. so that's what the public wants to know. Okay, well, who's, who signed that affidavit and what does it say? And that's right. where this last week, Trump was saying, I want the affidavit released. I want the public to know who signed it because are you just, will, is it a Democrat, an opponent here? Uh, you know, who is behind this saying that there's crime here? Who, who authorized that? And then furthermore, what is your basis? What, how are you alleging that there's actually a crime? Because here's what people are fearing. People are fearing this is just a fishing expedition done by his political adversaries. There's an election coming up and they want the dirt on their enemy. So they want to go raid through all of these boxes that Trump has trying to get dirt on him that they're going to use during the next election cycle. So Trump said, I want this affidavit released right now. I want the public to know exactly who's behind this and why. And that's the issue now before a federal judge. I think the federal judge has given the the DOJ one week to come back and respond why the affidavit, or at least portions of the affidavit, should not be released. Any thoughts? Because here's part of my issue is it's Judge Bruce Reinhardt is the judge that signed the the warrant and allowed for the FBI to raid Trump's um, property, right? Reinhardt Reinhardt is a Trump appointee. The FBI, the FBI director is a Trump employee or is a Trump appointee. It's, it's hard for me to buy the witch hunt and the banana Republic stories when it's Trump appointees signing, saying that, Oh, we're, we're, we're hitting our political adversaries. We're, we're taking down our political adversaries. Well, you're Trump appointees. You're, you know, the, the FBI director, yeah, he reports to Merrick Garland, but look at the – I mean, he could at any moment go, this is idiotic. Merrick Garland is trying to, trying to you know, do this banana republic thing or to try to, to dump on Trump. And the judge can go, no, this is obviously a political witch hunt. I'm not going to sign this warrant. So I, 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 I restrain judgment on what's going on because I'm looking at all the players involved. If it was a Democratic president – in Biden and it was Merrick Garland and it was a democratic appointed FBI, brand new FBI director. And it was a judge that Biden just a appointed. All of that is very fishy. All of that screams inside baseball. 
but we're not there. We're two and two. And so it's hard for me to go, oh, yeah, this is a fake warrant. This is a fake this, because the the judge, Bruce Reinhardt, is a, is a Trump appointee. Here is the problem, and I'm going to throw out this concept for you, but mm-hmm. let's go back to Joseph Stalin's date. You know who Joseph Stalin uh-huh. is for you yeah. non-history majors? He was the, the head of the Soviet Union. Well, his the head of his secret police, so the head of the KBG, Lev, I'm going to butcher his name, but Lavrentia Berea. Vladimir and, Putin? Uh, yeah, no, not him. A little, just a young Putin in those days. Uh, Lavrentia <laughs> Berea. He basically, he told Joseph Stalin this. He said, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. The the thought there is that, look, uh, I can find criminal activity by everyone. You show me the man, I'll find a crime that he did. And recently there was another statement from a a law professor that said, look, at the high levels of, say, CEOs and CFOs and COs, that kind of level of, of operator, he said, every day they commit a, a felony. Now, this is, it's not going to be a horrible felony, but the laws right. are written so vaguely that right. people at that level, when they make decisions on a daily basis, you can make a claim that that is a felony that's a violation of one of our laws. Laws are that mm-hmm. vague. Well, here, that's why you it's, it's very dangerous when you go after your political adversary using the force of criminal law. So yeah, just because a magistrate signed off or a judge signed off saying, okay, you did show me that there's probable cause that some crime has been committed, so I'll sign off on it. That does not make this right. And that does not make this not a banana republic. And so I here's what I'm going to suggest. There had better be a smoking gun here. There better be, if I'm on the, on the, if I'm looking at this from the Democratic perspective, they better be going after Trump because he did try to sell nuclear codes to Putin. If it's something like, oh, you didn't, you have classified documents in your possession. No, that's not going to cut it. The American public are going to say that we're going to cry foul. Now you did this just to go after your political enemy. That is not right here because the let's, let's, let's deal with this declassification. That is bogus. The president of the United States not is bogus. the one who decides. No, the president is the one who decides if they are classified or right. declassified. And so it is standard operating procedure that when a president takes documents away, he is, in fact, declassifying them. And all Trump, ha- there is no, no magic wand. Trump doesn't have to sign any papers saying, I hereby clarify document 482 as being declassified. All he has to say is, hey, see that box there? I'm declassifying it. Boom. That, no, done. No, 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 Joel. No, 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 no. Presidents have to go through and give specific instructions on which documents are and which documents are not declassified. They don't get nope. sweeping powers to say all of this is declassified. He does get that power because the president is the one who decides it, not Congress, not anyone else. The president has that power. Now, there might have been protocol in the past on how that procedure took place. And maybe Trump was sloppy, but he didn't follow the protocol. That does not mean the president does not have the power. He actually has the power, him or herself. Within the confines of how the law describes the power. Yes, the president has the power to declassify documents, but the president has to specifically name which documents he is going to declassify. He has to put on notice other agencies and other organizations of what documents are declassified and which documents are not declassified. He doesn't get to just leave the White House and say, I'm taking all these boxes with us and whatever is in here is now declassified. 
It's not I, how I, it works. I think That's, that is what the power is. And so now we now that might be a litigated point. And so the, the Democrats might be saying we're willing to take the hit from the public because the public might say, oh, these are classified and not necessarily understand the legal nuance of no, the president gets to declassify him himself. And so, but if, if that's all this is about, is Trump failed to circle his, uh, dot mm -hmm. his I's and cross his T's, if that's all this is about, this is a banana republic move because you should nope. not be Put doing that. Yes, you can do it. You should not be doing it. We should not be going after our political enemies in this way. Yep. I felt yes, that way when Trump said it about Hillary. And I also did not like where this is going because this is, I think this is, is hurting the FBI's reputation by the public we don't trust the fbi now it's just, it's the kgb i i, I want to put on hold and ask when did we ever trust the fbi i grew up and i always assumed everyone was good well-intentioned right. i don't know no, i i didn't i didn't, the, I didn't the machine, trust the fbi the machine is broken i think that there are good people in law enforcement i have loved ones that work in law enforcement i don't think there is good law enforcement officers because the machine is broken as we're now seeing with this Trump thing is that the FBI was doing their job, but now we're in a banana republic because they're executing orders <laughs> that, well, now we can't trust the FBI. I, in my entire career of being a lawyer, have never once trusted a law enforcement officer to tell the truth on the stand. Never Interesting. once. Interesting. I like never that. Never I don't think that they're bad people. And that's the problem that we see here is like, I don't look at a uniformed officer and go, dude, you're automatically a racist or you're a bad person. And I don't look at an FBI officer and go, you're automatically a racist. You're a bad person. I think the machine is broken. All right. And now that the machine is broken to the point where now it's prosecuting people that it was meant to protect for so long, other people are seeing that the machine is broken. I, I am going to state for the record, I do not like this use of our criminal system to go after our political adversaries. I think that's dangerous. I do not like it when Trump did it. It just gave me a sick feeling mm -hmm. in my stomach when he said, lock her up. Why? We don't do that in America. By the way, there's a couple of other things we don't do in America, like contest elections. Let's go to right. there now, because I think this is a part of this storyline. And so also this last week, Jenna Ellis. Now, she is not necessarily a friend of the podcast, though. I do know her. Uh, we have uh, we both work for the Make same company clear. or had connections to the same company in the past. She has had me on her podcast. I have rescinded the offer. She has yet to take it up and show up on our podcast. But she was ordered to testify before a grand jury mm -hmm. this last week. So a judge in Colorado on Tuesday ordered um, uh, former President Donald Trump's campaign advisor to travel to Georgia to testify before a grand jury that's looking into Trump's efforts to try to influence the 2020 election in Georgia. I do not like this at all. If you are trying okay. to bring criminal charges against the people that are your political adversaries, it, to me, it just does not set well. Again, can you find the crime? Yes, probably you can find a crime if you look hard enough. I was actually involved personally in a case in El Paso, Texas, where what my clients did was, was circulated recall petitions to recall the mayor of El Paso. Chris, can you think of a more basic free speech thing than circulating recall petitions nope, to get a... By they get a mayor recall. All right, that, that's bottom. That's pure political speech. He receives the most protection under our laws. They, my clients, were gone after by the DA, by the uh, the the mayor, the full force of the mayor's office. They went after them to say, hey, "Look, what you did is a crime. It is punishable by jail time because your your efforts in circulating recall petitions was valuable." 
that should be con that should constitute a contribution to a candidate and and because of that it, we're going to bring the full force of the law against you and a, a, a judge at the bottom level agreed with them that's how scary this is you can use the the full force of the law against just private citizens trying to engage in their constitutional rights <coughs> to try to scare them from doing that i think it's a dangerous precedent i do not like the use of the criminal system against your political adversaries i'm not saying it's not appropriate in certain circumstances but it better not be petty it better be real and so we'll have to wait and see what actually comes from these boxes I any final thoughts lots um <laughs> all right if, good because i got okay. i got to drink some coffee here yeah yeah uh, so i a couple of thoughts right off the bat if if we are not prosecuting our political nemesis as you so lovingly have stated who's going to do it who would take up a case against donald trump because donald trump rightly so said he could walk out onto fifth avenue and shoot somebody in the face and nothing would happen to him and with this republican party he's absolutely correct because he incited an insurrection and nothing's happening to him. So if 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 the Democrats aren't willing to prosecute crimes and this and, and as much as I hated Benghazi and thought it was idiotic, I was here for it because if Hillary Clinton had committed a crime that caused the death of U.S. service members, she should go to jail. I'm here for it. Let's let's bring out the subpoenas. Let's roll out the FBI. Let's let's snatch all the paperwork and let's use our justice system that we so highly treasure and count it to be the best in the world to prosecute our politicians. Let's do it. Let's absolutely I... do it. If if Hunter Biden was if Hunter Biden's laptop was showing that he was making deals, nuclear deals with the Ukraine, let's bring him out. Let's put him on trial. Let's send him to jail. All right. Let's first of all, I, I, I agree 100% with that. And that's kind of my point here. There better be a smoking gun. They better come up with something huge, real. Because if it's something petty, I'm going to have a problem. But even, I agree with you, though. Even that if they it's should petty, be, if you've no, committed it, a crime, if you've committed a crime, if you violated a crime, because Joe Blow person walking the street right now, if they go speeding, they're going to get a license, even if it's petty, even if it's 2 a.m. in the morning and they're going 65 and a 55 and they get a ticket, that is petty, but they're still going to have to pay for it and they're still breaking the law. I agree no with that. Problem, we have no problem when it's petty, when it's something that we agree with. We have a problem when it's petty, when we think there's something bigger there. If you broke the law, Donald Trump, you need to pay the price. I, but I, Joe um, Biden, if you broke the law, Hillary Clinton, if you broke the law, pay the price. This isn't political yeah. persecution. The law and, and Donald Trump was great about this, that no one is above the law. So well, I bro, am going to agree. Be careful with you what there. you wish for. I'm going to agree with you there that Donald Trump really has no grounds to say, hey, you shouldn't be bringing petty actions against me because I think he basically played that same game. And so uh, it does seem a little bit disingenuous in that regard. But hey, we are going to follow this to see what comes of this. Of course, this is in the news on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. That's how warrants are issued. And Chris, that's why people come to our podcast. They want to get the skinny, the inside story on how the law actually works. And let's, I have another story that kind of points to that. Maybe this is our week to blow our, our own horn, yeah. toot our own horn, however that saying goes. But you should not be going 
to non-lawyers to get legal analysis. And I let me give you an example of what I'm trying to say here. I read an article this last week. I believe it was in Fox News, but I actually found it in several different sources. It was an interview done with Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy is a great golfer, <coughs> uh, I, I believe from yeah. Great Britain. Uh, actually, one of my favorite golfers. Well, he basically made this statement about the LIV Injunction. So let me give you a little background here. The the LIV golf tournament, it stands for 54 because you only play 54 holes of golf. It is in competition with the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour does not like that. So the PGA Tour banned all of these LIV golfers from ever participating in an LA, in a PGA event. Well, certain LIV golfers said that's anti-competitive. You can't right. do that. Right, right, and right. so they filed a, a lawsuit and they sought a temporary injunction allowing them to play in the PGA Tour. Well, a federal judge last week said, no, we're not going to grant that temporary right. injunction. And so Rory McIlroy then screams, hey, that is great. Common sense has finally prevailed. See, I told you so. We were right. Hold on, Chris. No, that's not what a temporary injunction does. That's not what an order denying a temporary injunction does. All that, it, in order to get a temporary injunction, you have to prove to the court the barn is burning. In other words, you if you make us wait until trial, which might be two years down the road, it's going to be too late. And it's, it's a common legal idea that if what is at dispute in the case is only money, that's not irreparable harm. Because someone can pay enough bucks at the end of the day and then both sides can be made whole. And so if all you're talking about is money, right. you're not going to get a TRO is issued. Even if you're right, that's a right. even if you are right and the other side did violate the law, a mm -hmm. TRO, a temporary injunction, will still not issue by the court because, of course, there's no, we're not going to do a fast look at this case. We're going to just wait until the end of the day after we've allowed both sides to engage in discovery. We've had time to consider the matter, read the precedent, make a reasoned decision. We're not going to rush our decision here. And we'll just right. you know, have these sides cut paychecks at the end of the day. All right, so that's all that this means is that in this you know, dispute between the PGA and the, the 54, the Live Golf League, whatever the dispute right. is, it can be resolved with money, which by the way, Chris, is, is probably the LIV's biggest weakness in the case. These players <laughs> are making so much money. So much money. So much of dollars. money. How can they really argue with a straight face? They are being damaged by the, the PGA's tactics. I, any thoughts? The, the only... The only reach, and this, and it wasn't brought up. I was reading about it. Is that your brand could be damaged, right? If you, if you are going to play, like, if part of your your brand is the Tiger Woods brand, right? So if you can't play at the televised PGA tournaments, your brand isn't going to be seen by people. But that's and, and that's tenuous at best. That is right? tenuous that is, at best. That is I would say at best. What does that mean that your brand has been damaged? Well, right. that means that you, you, you've been you lost money. Okay, right. that that can we can just pass checks back and forth, and you can get that right. resolved if your brand has been damaged. But I agree, right? And plus, they offered Tiger Woods like eight hundred million dollars, so I don't think your brand is worth eight hundred million. <laughs> but that's beside the point. Um, right, so yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing there. They're essentially they're going to hash it out for the next two, which is going to be very interesting in antitrust law. I think it's going to be a very fun point in antitrust law because 
you're going to have to get the government involved now because of the LIV. And then you have international issues because LIV is based out of Saudi Arabia. So it's going to be, it's going to be a fun, well, fun for us law nerds that are like really interested in this stuff. Not fun for the fans that want to see, you know, Phil Mickelson play golf on TV. I, I am, I'm fascinated by this. As you said, for a lot of nerds to see how this case is going to boil down. I learned a lot about, you know, the antitrust act by watching this lawsuit against the NCAA with you know, their policies that ban players from receiving any kind of compensation whatsoever for their services. The Supreme court nine zero said that's illegal. Uh, and so uh, now that might this second antitrust case go before the U S Supreme court re- involving sports. I don't know. Let's, let's do this. Let's pay attention and watch this. That's what we do. And uh, we also play golf, but what fascinates yeah. me about this from a golf perspective, I actually think I'm, I like the, the concept of the the live golf tour. Mm-hmm. The, the idea behind the live golf tour is we are going to have teams. And so this is not necessarily just going to be individuals playing their own round, but teams, you're going to have buy-ins like NASCAR. Like we're going to have a NASCAR team here right. that sponsors this, these four golfers, and they go through as a team and they compete as a team against these other teams. Now we love it right. when it comes to Ryder cup. I love watching the Ryder cup. I think it's exciting yeah. golf to watch. And so I don't see how in a certain world, the live tournament and the PGA cannot coexist. Why can they not right. have both the individual and the team aspect at the same time? I think it's a fair game. And I'm actually excited to see the product itself. And it's going to be unleashed next year. Chris, is this Look, enough I, to make you actually play golf? I love playing golf. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I'm actually getting a new set of golf clubs as per my 10-year anniversary deal with my wife. So I'm pretty excited <laughs> about this. Oh, I got to hear more about that. Yeah, new grips. I'm going to go to a, a golf shop here in Scottsdale, and I'm going to get the whole nine yards. Going to have them, you know, look at my swing and all sorts of stuff. And I'm going to get a custom set of golf clubs just for for me. So I'm I'm all about this. What no, I would and, like to his see his and her golf clubs. No, Megan doesn't play golf. That's not her jam. She likes to drive the cart and read a book right. while I'm out there, you know, shooting 107 on nine holes. <laughs> all right, all right. And, um, but I, I mean, I would love to see. Like, I'd love to see them, you know, work in contrast, right? The team sport versus the individual sport. And then I'd like to, like, see how that develops the game down the line, right? Like, you have baseball farm club teams and you have development leagues in basketball. Like, the only development league you have for golf is college. Right. And so I would love to see the the, the sport of golf explode into into communities that maybe haven't been touched by golf or i would love to see like more people getting involved in the sport of golf so competition is going to breed that the pga stranglehold on the elitist sport of golf has lasted too long all right see i'm uh, that's interesting from all different perspectives both from a product and from the the legal standpoint of can you have this kind of anti-competitive behavior I got to make for sometimes I struggle understanding antitrust law because that's kind of what we do as a business. We want to be the best. So we make decisions to beat our competitors. And so this goes on all the time. So at a certain level, we all engage in anti-competitive behavior every single day. It's what we do as a business. But at the same time, you cannot be so good at what you are doing that you become a monopoly. If you become a monopoly where you are the only game in town, think of Teddy Roosevelt, the trust buster, they're going to come in 
and break mm-hmm. you up. Think of Ma Bell, the phone companies of back in our pre-cell phone days. Yeah, they well, but Facebook probably could have been broken up if yeah. you did not have all of these other social media companies like well, I wasn't gonna say Instagram, but that's also owned by Facebook. Facebook, yeah. Yeah, I think Facebook might be in trouble if they start buying up all of these different social media platforms so that it becomes a monopoly. That could be a problem. So yeah. You, that's why I struggle with this concept is you are supposed to be good at what you do, but if you ever become so good that you are the only game in town and you are monopoly, that is going to be bad. That's going to be a violation of the law. And then the, the feds will try to shut you down. All right. So we will be well, paying and it's attention. Also, how do you like, what I like about antitrust law is it really examines how did you become a monopoly? If you're a naturally formed monopoly, and I'm looking at like uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, which is the the energy provider for California, they naturally became a, non- a monopoly, and now they've just held it for so long, no one else could come in and deregulate the market. But how did you become a monopoly? Did you go through and buy up all your competitors and put them out of business, right? If you look at like Walmart, right? They've always looked at antitrust cases when it comes to Walmart because they're coming in and crushing ma and pa stores. Right. But but how did they become a monopoly? Well, they offered a better product at a cheaper price and they operated more efficiently. And as much as Walmart... Not so much. As much as Walmart dominates that industry, you still can't right. call it a monopoly because you have right. Target, you have Kmart, right. you have Alcos. Yes, I'm really dating right. myself. You have Amazon right. now, right? All these different companies. So even though Walmart might be the biggest and the baddest, if at the very beginning Walmart did shut down all the competitors and bought out Target as soon as they became decent, mm-hmm. bought out all these other companies just to eliminate the competition, that would be a problem. And the, 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 we have experienced throughout our history as a nation that we like competition. When you have two businesses competing with each other, the consumer benefits from lower prices and better yeah. products. And when you have just one game in town over the long haul, then prices are going to go up and quality is going to go down because competition refines us. Hey, that's actually a scripture. Uh, iron sharpens iron. And so I'm mm-hmm. able to squeeze in there a little bit go. of scripture in this podcast today. So look, look at there. that. No need to look go to church it. this Sunday. All right. I did not just say that, but nonetheless, let's move on now to another legal topic, which has dominated the news of late, which fascinates me. <laughs> The Alex Jones lawsuit. Now, there's oh two gosh, different yes. legal happenings with this Insane. matter. Let me just break down both of them. One, a jury ruled that uh, he has to pay over $42 million in compensatory, but the bulk of that would be punitive damages for his statements that the Sandy Hook shootings was all a hoax. He killed 20 students and six educators, and he said that it was a hoax. Now, those statements are absolutely ridiculous, but Chris, I gotta just say this. I am bothered by the fact that there was a $42 million verdict against him. And here's why I say that. I'm a free speech guy. I'm a First Amendment attorney. I know you can say whatever you want, pretty much, and get away with it. it. Just because you are wrong does not mean there's defamation. In order to have defamation, if you're going to say something about a, a matter, a private person, which by the way, this is not a private matter. This is a public matter. So that's mm-hmm. another issue. But you actually have to, there actually have to be damages. 
crisp. Right. The National Enquirer has been on love our it. nation's newsstands for many years, and they will have such outrageous things like some alien came down and had Michael Jackson's baby, right? Mm -hmm. No one believes the National Enquirer. Alex Jones, to me, is the National Enquirer. When he yeah. says, look, you know what? This The Sandy Hook shootings, it was a hoax. Chris, no one but the crazies are believing him. There's no way people are viewing right. that statement any different than we view the statement on, you know, the headlines in the National Enquirer. Exactly. How does this result in a $42 million verdict? Lots, lots and lots and lots of ways. One, for anybody following any sort of news, you know that Alex Jones's lawyers may or may not have sent off, what, 12 gigabytes or terabytes of information over to opposing counsel that really got Alex Jones screwed on this. And also, Alex Jones' lawyers may have dropped the ball completely because the defamation suit only went forward because it went into default. And for the non-lawyers at home, default means that they did not file a response to the original claim of defamation. And because they didn't file a response in a timely manner, the court assumes that you're not refuting those facts and those facts to be true in the um, the filing document. So Alex Jones misses out on being able to defend himself because either A, Alex Jones is a horrible client, which I don't know isn't out of the realm of possibility. Right, and, right. We, or we, B, we can believe that. Right. We can totally believe that he did not do anything to help his own case or B, his lawyers are so completely incompetent that this is a malpractice issue ripe for the taking. Fascinating. So this was a default judgment. So mm -hmm. what I was concerned about, the merits, the, the, the fact that, hey, no one's even going to believe these people no matter what. And let me give you some context, too, about this. There was a Supreme Court case called Snyder v. Phelps. What happened in this case, Fred Phelps was this, this person from Topeka, Kansas, and him and his organization liked to picket the funerals of people who died in the military with these horrendous signs that I am not even going to repeat on this right. podcast, but it's, it reaches that stage where, you know, you, you say, you won't even say the word. You just say what the word starts with because you, you're so afraid to say the word. That's what this person did on uh, picketing the funerals of those who died in military combat, horrible stuff. Well, the family, the, the Snyder family, filed this lawsuit against Fred Phelps for, for picketing their funeral with these horrible statements. And the jury said, okay, you know what? We don't like Fred Phelps, $10.9 million uh, as damages. And so that went up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Chris, I'm going to suggest that that speech was absolutely horrendous. I can't imagine worse a speech than right. that. The worst, the same absolute worst. The Sandy Hook might be equal, if not worse, but it's in that realm of horrendous speech. The Supreme Court said, no, this is a matter of public concern. You you can't violate someone or punish someone's free speech in this way. So there would have been valid legal arguments to be made, but you are saying we don't even get there because the lawyers never filed an answer. And so all right. of the factual allegations are deemed admitted and so that's that's a problem for for um, Alex Jones. That is a that is a thousand percent Alex Jones's problem, and it. I mean, and guess what, bro? Like, be careful who you, you know. Be careful who your lawyers are, or don't be a punk. Like at the end of the day, like there there's one of two answers to this. Whether you like what Alex Jones says or not, the only two possible answers is that Alex Jones screwed himself by not providing the required documents that the lawyers needed, and hopefully the lawyers have some sort of 
you know, CYA, some sort of like, hey, Alex, what the heck's going on? Some sort of something that they can use um, because that's a malpractice issue if they fail to do so. And hopefully that's what that's what we're seeing right now. Or malpractice, our $42 million malpractice suit. All right. I agree. Yeah, I hope their insurance is paid up, but when, yeah. whichever way it is, it's, it, it is a way that you can get the legal issues bypassed. When you don't show up in court to even defend yourself, that's going to be a problem. And now you have kind of hurt, you, uh, hurt yourself, uh, taking the rug out from underneath you, whatever bad metaphor I can come up with on the spot. That's <laughs> yep. what this is. I said there were two legal issues. There's a second lawsuit in Connecticut. Uh, it was in bankruptcy court. And so it's a separate lawsuit also against Alex Jones and his company for his statements. Alex Jones filed for bankruptcy and the bankruptcy court said, yeah, you know what? This lawsuit can go forward against Alex Jones. And so that case will go forward in front of a jury. I'd, I will have to see how the jury rules in that. Did he also default in that case? So they're not going to be resolved Resolving the factual issues. I don't know. We'll have to wait and pay attention to the case as it happens. All right. You know what, Chris? It is now time for courtroom quarterback. Let's do this. All right. Now, Chris, as I said, this is our one year anniversary and I don't it have is. any golf clubs that we are. Maybe we should get some golf clubs in celebration Aww. of this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe for our two year anniversary, let's go golfing somewhere. Uh, I but love I, I love the 120 degree heat. But the point of what I'm trying to make <laughs> is if this is our one year anniversary and we started this podcast together as a way to talk about the NFL, that means the NFL season is upon us and That's I cannot right. be happier. I could well, not no. be happier about this. So, Chris, a couple things. One, we did this last year, and we did our picks. So, the NFL season, the games would be coming up on a Sunday, and you and I were so concerned about this young people's fascination yes. with gambling. Yes, we wanted to send a message that gambling is bad. So, we made our picks right. every single week of the upcoming games. <laughs> and what did we learn? We're good at picking teams. We can make <laughs> money this way. We both had a winning percentage of about 67 to 70% against the spread. So, yeah, uh, again, do not take our advice. Actually, Chris, I did hear that if you are a gambling person and you you will lose, gambling, you, you mathematically, will. it is proven as a certainty you will lose money if you gamble. Yeah. Vegas was built. These palaces were built based upon the odds that the house always will get its take at the end yes. of the day. Even if you win a $2,000, if you play enough hands, it will equal out, you'll and you will then yep. lose enough money, you will lose all your money. But there is one exception to that. Sports gambling. It actually, I read an article where you can make money with a sports gambling, and here's why. You actually are bringing your knowledge to the equation. You, you, it's not just a game of chance. You actually are saying, no, I know this team. I know the national storyline. I know how these guys train. I know about their past performances. And Chris, here's my question I want to throw by you. I was brought up, now this is a little bit of theology here, but whatever. I was brought up with this context that all gambling is immoral, right? That's what right. I was told. And I'm, I'm not suggesting it's not. I do see the problems with gambling, but here, I want to throw this idea to you. How is betting on sports any different in substance than playing the stock market? It's not. 
right? It's actually I will, more what, lucrative. What are the similarities? On, on what you do. Here are the oh, similarities. Go. It's someone, it's someone else's performance that's going to make you money or lose you money, yes. right? You don't control Correct. the actual outcome. 100%. Right? All right. Uh, you, you, it's not a guarantee. You could lose your shirt or you can make money. Also true. You, you have to do your study and your research. Right. Uh, Cal if you're calculated gonna... risks, very calculated right. risks. So how is, how is sports gambling any different than playing the stocks? It really isn't except for you don't play the stocks and a bookie in the backside of a dive bar. Okay. All right. Sounds I'm just good. putting that out there. Yes. I do think there is an addictive thing to gambling, which maybe right. is not present in the stock market. I, don't I think know, it is I, present in the stock market. I just think that as a society, we value the stock market more because that's where all of our retirements are located. Okay. And so we're, we're not going to call stock market gambling because we've legitimized it again through this machine that is broken, that it is okay to do stock market stuff because we're America and we love companies versus gambling because that's a degenerate behavior of poor people. Right, right, right. I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. I was having this right. conversation with my son because we were coming back from Cincinnati where we watched the tennis tournament mm -hmm. this last week. And we're just kind of like the, you know, think things through. And I was just saying, how, how is it any different? He said, well, dad, it's different because in this, when you play the stocks, you're actually you're investing in a company. So you're helping out the company do good. And with sports gambling, there is no underlying product that you are helping them do good with an underlying product. So I, I get that, but here is my response to my son. I have never once given money or invested in a stock because I cared about the company. I, I do it because I want to make money. 100%, 100% of the time, I have invested money in, in the stock market. It is because I want to make money. And so the, the, the good that my money does has never once entered into the equation. Right. All right, I am well. I'm 100% there with that. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do our picks again of this year to see if last year was an anomaly or to we see are. maybe if um, there is, we, we just we just got lucky last year, or maybe we're good mm -hmm. at this. We're good at it. But here's what we're going to do, Chris. We actually want our listeners to join yes. in on us, right? Come, come have so, this time with us. So here's what we're going to do. And we haven't quite finalized exactly how this is going to happen, but on a weekly basis, we are going to put out there the picks that you can pick. And, and so it'll be on Instagram. It'll it. be on Facebook. There are two different ways to do that. And will there be mm -hmm. links probably on our podcast to our Instagram page and our podcast mm -hmm. page as well. More details will come as to how we will do this, but we want to have you join in to see who is better. Our listeners, you or me as we make our picks and we're going to have a little bit of fun with that. But Chris, you had another idea as well in our great oh podcast last week that got destroyed How by the FBI during their raid. But what was your idea? Do you remember? I'm putting you on the I spot. I do. I want to do a fantasy football league with our listeners. There you go. I think that would be a lot of fun to kind of to have that fantasy football stuff and then have like a at the end of the year we can award a you know, courtroom quarterback uh, Super Bowl trophy and send it to whichever listener won the, the league. So we will have to get some thought as to how we can actually yeah. accomplish that. And so more will come out on that next week. We'll get some thoughts. I like that idea of a fantasy football league that might have to be a year in the making. We'll yes. see how, how that progresses. Time. All right. Well, Chris, again, uh, we've we spent enough of time here talking about the news and sports. Let's end it here with a couple of interesting storylines that you see 
in the upcoming NFL season. Uh, As you look at this upcoming NFL season, I got to tell you, a couple of fascinating storylines for me, of course. I'm a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. And we lost our number one wide receiver, Tyree Kill, to the Miami Dolphins. Now, Tyree Kill, in his podcast, is saying that his quarterback, Tua, is a better quarterback, or maybe he said he's more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. I think think it's horrendous. I Mm -hmm. think it is an experiment in in Miami that will implode, but I'm going to say week six. I'll give it six games. Things are going to be real ugly, and there might be a quarterback change in Miami. Any thoughts? I, you know what? The Miami offensive line isn't that impressive. So you're right. Maybe Tua is is as good or better than Mahomes, which I know is blasphemy, so I'm not saying that lightly. But if if Tua can't get a ball off, it doesn't matter who he is. There's been great quarterbacks in the history, hell, of Miami. Look at Dan Marino, right? Dan Marino's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but he never got anywhere because the rest of his team wasn't up to snuff. So. I don't like Tyreek can run his mouth all he wants, but if Tua can't get him the ball, Tyreek can't get yards. It's very like cause and effect. Why would Tyreek so, put that kind of pressure on his quarterback? There is no way Tua is in the same oh league as Patrick Mahomes. There is just, Patrick Mahomes Tyreek just runs his mouth. That's what Tyreek does. That's what wow. they all do nowadays. They all just run their mouth. All right, here's another reason why this Puffery. is one of my fascinating storylines to watch. This is the Tua v. Patrick Mahomes storyline. Here's another reason why I think this is interesting. Because Miami has a new coach. He was a former offensive coordinator from the San Francisco 49ers. And so indeed, that means he actually has some connections with Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback yes. there for the San Francisco 49ers, took them to a Super Bowl and uh, a championship game. Mm-hmm. Not a bad resume, but the 49ers don't like him. And so they got a new quarterback. They're going to start the, the the new quarterback. And they got to do yeah. something with Jimmy Garoppolo. Might you see a trade to the Miami Dolphins? Yeah. Uh, if, this, if Tua gets off to a rough start, it will not be long before you see that become a major storyline dominating the NFL uh, headlines. Did you right, see wh- Tua getting traded to be the backup quarterback to the Niners behind Trey Lance? All right. There that would go. be amazing. That would It would be my birthday. If it happens, you heard it here first. All right, one exactly. other storyline I am going to be fascinated to watch during this upcoming season is McBillicek, a Billa idiot. Uh, and so here's my thought. Bill, yes. You know how... Every NFL team will have coaches. You have your head coach. You have your assistant head coach. You have your offensive coordinator. You have your defensive coordinator. You have your special teams coordinator. They are in charge of these different um, uh, parts of your your team, right? That's yes. how every NFL team does it. It's a copycat league. Well, is Bill a, is it is a Bill a check or Bill a stupid? Here's what I mean by that. He has decided. He is such a great coach, an incredible coach. He does not need an offensive coordinator. So, yes, he dished Tom Brady two years ago, and now he's going to ditch his offensive coordinator. They are going through this next season without an offensive coordinator. Is this going to be a train wreck? I hope so. I absolutely hope so. I, I want to see the wreckage that is New England. I can't wait to see see what happens and to watch Robert Kraft explode on Bilicek. I love it. I love when empires fall. 
All right, there you go. And so we'll have to watch that and see how things progress in, in New England. Chris, do you have any storylines you are going to be paying attention to this upcoming NFL season? I just want to see what Cooper Cup does. You know, last year he won the Triple Crown. This year we'll see what it, is it all hype? Is it what's going on? I'm really interested to follow Cooper around because I also think Cooper Cup is one of the hardest working men in show business. Um, Here, and so, here's a problem with that. Here's a problem, which Tyree Kill was better than, but here's a problem. Yep. When you have a breakout season like Patrick Mahomes right. did right. four years ago, like like um, a Cup did yep. last year, now the defensive coordinators know about you. You are on your, your map. They have had yep. all season to prepare. So the other teams there in, the, in their division probably got – you know, safeties, cornerbacks geared to mm -hmm. stop him. The game plan is going to be to stop him. And so right. it's a lot harder to replicate what you did in year two. Now, that being right. said, if your coach is good enough, the team should have extra success because the, the extra attention that's going to be placed on cup is now going to open up other receivers, maybe the tight end, maybe the running back to come out of the backfield. And so, yes, it'll be a fascinating storyline to see how the 40 how the the rams actually play out this year all right chris yep. it's been a great week hope hopefully our audio has been captured this <laughs> week but nonetheless hey shout out to the fbi who does our raid great too i was just joking about that <laughs> but have a great week chris and we'll see you next week see you next week joel Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.